Welcome back to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and super fans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. Yes, welcome back. We are so excited for you all to be here. And Happy New Year. (laughs) Oh, hell yes. Unless you're a Patreon subscriber at the $10 level and you're probably hearing this in 2022, but whatever. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) Anyway, a few announcements before we get into this week's episode. Um, Moving forward, we will be releasing our episodes on a bi-weekly basis. So you'll be getting new episodes every other week from us. And this will give us more time to produce the high-quality episodes you expect from us. I mean, hopefully you expect high-quality content from us. I don't really know. Maybe you're just listening to us to troll. I don't really know what, what your bag is. But you know what? Keep keep doing you. <laughs> so anyway, it will also allow us to produce more content for our fellow Patreon subscribers. And speaking of that... We have some upcoming funsies <laughs> for 2023. <laughs> I know, I'm a dork. <laughs> some upcoming funsies. What are those upcoming funsies, Caitlin? We will have a Baker Soundstage early in 2023. What is Baker Soundstage? Baker Soundstage is our movie... OTH-related podcast. And we review movies that are related to One Tree Hill in some way. Whether it's an actor or actress on in the movie, or in this case, we will be reviewing Scream from 2022, which was filmed in Wilmington. How yes. (laughs) That is our connection. (laughs) I am so, so excited to finally record this episode with you. Jeremy's very excited about this. (laughs) Yeah, I texted you a few weeks ago and I was like, you know what? The new Scream movie is coming out. Uh, Can we talk about Scream? Because it was filmed in Wilmington. Can we do it? Can we do it? And luckily, Caitlin said yes. I mean, I've seen all the movies. I'm not like you, like a super fan, but I have seen all the movies and I like it. I like the franchise. I got you covered. I will uh, I will fill in the gaps for you. And uh, as Caitlin said, this is the 2022 Scream, not the 1996 Scream. However, I feel like you should watch Screams 1 through 4 to prepare yourself. And then join us for Scream 2022, otherwise known as Scream 5, otherwise known as 5 Cream, whatever the fuck you want to call it. <laughs> And that will be going live on our Patreon on February 10th for the $5 patrons. Yes, very excited stuff. All right, now let's get into this week's episode. This week we are discussing I've Got Dreams to Remember, the 12th episode of season three, which is written by Mike Harrow and David Strauss, directed by Stuart Gillard, and originally aired on the WB on January 25th, 2006. Always and Forever is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. Tree Hill High students meet with a guidance counselor to discuss their college plans. Haley wants to go to Sanford, and Nathan wants to go to Duke, but they also have to consider each other now. Lucas wants a basketball scholarship so he can afford college. 
Brooke voices that she's interested in pursuing fashion, but she's nervous about leaving high school. And Peyton isn't interested in college at first, but Ellie inspires her to possibly pursue art, music, or business. In other news, the police tell Dan that they can no longer hold Keith in jail. Peyton and Ellie decide on a name for the Benefit album, Friends with Benefit. Rachel reveals to Brooke that Rogue Vogue is the same weekend as the Sparkle Classic cheerleading competition. At first, Brooke is upset, but then she decides she's going to compete in both. Math and Brooke argue about Rachel, but then Brooke later apologizes for what she said. Keith asks Karen out on a date to the basketball game. A scout comes to the game to see Nathan, but Whitey benches him because he missed a class at school that day. During the game, Nathan strategizes with Lucas from the sidelines, which results in Lucas scoring the winning shot. In the end, the scout talks to both Lucas and Nathan after the game. Meanwhile, Dan watches Keith eat dinner with Karen and Lucas. To which Keith confronts Dan, telling him to go home, because this isn't his life anymore. Deciding on my dream school while married and in high school, I'm Caitlin Illinich. And wondering if there is a good fashion program at, like, basketball school. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez. (laughs) We had related interests. (laughs) Oh, we so did. Sounds like we've got dreams to remember, am I right? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. I guess, like, that's an organic time to jump into the song. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Seriously. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> so this episode is titled After the Song, I've Got Dreams to Remember by Otis Redding. And this is probably the most connected song I think we've had in a while. Like this song actually has to do with the episode. It feels like it's been ages. <laughs> like ages. Like I feel like I actually have something to say and I'm not just trying to kill time or anything. So... I'm, I'm excited. Agree. <laughs> why, why, don't, why don't you go first? Tell me some of your analyses. Sure. So, actually, the first verse of the song really got me thinking. It's, honey, I saw you there last night. Another man's arms holding you tight. Nobody knows what I feel inside. All I know, I walked away and cried. And this made me think immediately how Keith used to look on at Karen and Deb. Or Karen and Deb. <laughs> wow. Damn. <laughs> Karen and Dan. Karen and Dan. I, I just, I need a second to appreciate that was this. not planned. <laughs> I need a second to appreciate this moment, everybody. Caitlin just said that. Jeremy's okay. face is just shocked. Like, did you see my eyes are like <laughs> pop out of my face just now? I wow. I'm... See, this is what you do to me. <laughs> and now it's like normal to say Karen and Deb. <laughs> so we are recording. My stomach hurts. <laughs> this is too much. Uh, we are recording this on uh, Sunday, October 9th at seven nineteen p.m. Uh, Caitlin is now a Debra shipper. Thank you very much. So mark that in your calendars, everyone. Oh, okay. I love it. Go, oh, my go gosh. on. I'm, I'm not going to give this, I'm not going to give this any more attention, but just know that I see you, Caitlin, <laughs> and I appreciate you. And keep going, please. <laughs> oh, let's see if I can calm down after that now. <laughs> All right. So that verse... If you remember what I just read, people, <laughs> because now <laughs> I remember, I'm I remember, you're good. 
You're good, yes. <laughs> so that very first verse made me think about how Keith would always look on at Dan and Karen back when they were teenagers and kind of wanting Karen, you know, wishing it was him with her. And now it's interesting because in this episode, it's the reverse. Dan is now looking on at Karen and Keith together Mm -hmm. and is wishing he had not necessarily to be with Karen, but kind of wanting that family and feeling left out from that. So yes. I, I saw that verse and I read the lyrics. And I'm like, wow, that sums up perfectly what this episode's about, I think. Well, that mm. aspect of the episode, at least. What were your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. As soon as I read, it was the same thing. I read that first verse and it was like, oh, Dan, obviously, cool. Um, but then I also started to think of it a little bit deeper in a, like a more of a metaphorical sense, which is kind of what you did with Dan and uh, how he looks at Karen and Keith. It's not so much about the fact that Dan wants to be with Karen. It's more about what he wants in that family aspect. But I was just thinking about how these other characters were observing others like, for example, Brooke, we see her at the end of the episode. She's looking at everybody moving on in a way. And she even says that. She's like, oh, people will be making albums or or playing basketball. And I have to figure out my own life now um, and I'll be all alone. So she looks at everybody like going off. She looks at Lucas getting in a car with Karen and Keith and she's all alone. So it's like, you know, she wants like that. I don't really know like what what we could say Brooke really wants. I feel like she just wants some sort of stability. She wants to know that everything's going to be okay. Yeah, I think stability is a good word. Mm Mm-hmm. But then I also looked at it for Ellie, the way Ellie is looking at Peyton, because she's seeing Peyton, like, you know, doing all these, you know, being all successful in high school. And in a way, she's looking at, she's looking at Peyton in this way, but her cancer is... I mean, we don't know like what what the situation with the situation is with her cancer right now, but she doesn't seem to be okay. No, that's a good point. I didn't even think of uh, Ellie because Ellie, you know, we'll get to into this later, but she was actually at the basketball game, and so watching Peyton cheer for the school, and we don't know that till the end. Peyton doesn't know that till the end. And it kind of just makes me imagine her like kind of looking on to see what she has missed, I guess, Mm -hmm. in the past and potentially what she could miss in the future. If you know, her cancer takes a turn. Yeah. She's not going to be able to be a mom to Peyton. Like I think she wants to. Yeah. And that realization makes her emotional. Obviously it's a lot to process. Yeah, absolutely. Also, and lastly, uh, I think Nathan and Haley are also kind of looking at each other because they both have their their own separate dreams. <laughs> they both have their own separate dreams. Remember, um, <laughs> and that kind of conflicts with uh, how they want to continue the relationship. I know because they had that one conversation. How Nathan. He's like, I don't know, what what do you want me to say? It's like, I don't want to tell you to forget your dreams, but at the same time, I, what, no matter what he does, basically, it could be the wrong thing. So it's like, it's a tough place to be in. Mm-hmm. I like this song. Yeah, same. It's an oldie from the 60s. 
Oh yeah, I was wondering. Yeah, I was wondering. Like, when did it come out? Like, I didn't actually like take note of that. But 1968. But yeah, so yeah, just like yeah, so I definitely thought like, oh dad, but then like I decided to do the Eliza Aura um, horoscope reading of the song lyrics, and I was like, <laughs> and I was like, this can apply for other people as well. Yeah, I was mainly thinking of Keith and Dan and that whole situation, but yeah, I think it definitely applies to other people. Yeah. But also, too, the title, too, I've Got Dreams to Remember. It's about the a bunch of high school students are talking about their dreams and their goals for, like, what to do beyond high school. That's on the nose. <laughs> that part God. Is. Are you becoming <laughs> me? Are, I took their words right out of their mouth. Damn. Are, like, is this Freaky Friday right now? <laughs> yeah, it really is. I first turned into you. Bro. <laughs> You talk about Zebra, and now you're using my catchphrases? Like, what's that? Sam, okay. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Anywho, let's get into some of these uh, dreams let's that these students have to remember when they talk to their guidance counselor, who was played by Donna Cooper, and I thought she did a pretty good job. I decided to look into her IMDb page. Unfortunately for this role, she is only credited as guidance counselor. No name. And then other roles she played included roles such as Prostitute 2. Are you serious? Yeah. So she didn't really act? Not really. And that's kind of upsetting to me, honestly, because I think she did a pretty good job. Most recently, she played a character called Revica in the video game Horizon Forbidden West, in which she plays a character that just gives you a side quest. That is really random. Yeah. So... It's a little unfortunate. Yeah, that is. That's kind of surprising. Well, maybe she has just a different career and and she does this sporadically. Yeah, maybe. And good, yeah, good for her. Like, you know, she's probably like happy. She's like, you know what? I'm just booking these jobs, like these one-off jobs. That's fine. <laughs> you do you. Um, yeah, I don't know her life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll go through each of the characters. We have some good. We have some good stuff with each of them. Yes, we do. Yes, so Nathan's whole thing, he's kind of, like, stubborn. He's like, college has come to me, I don't go to them. And I love when he is talking about, like, his dreams. He said, the goal has always been high school, then Duke, then the NBA. And the guidance counselor asks, uh, so who came up with this plan? And Nathan's like, my dad. And I feel like we've always known that, but to actually hear it explicitly said, and for Nathan to actually have that self-awareness. And the way James Lafferty played it, too... I really enjoyed, like, that he had this, like, really subtle look on his face where he's like, huh, maybe this isn't my dream. So, it was interesting. Yeah, you're totally right. I noticed the same thing. Um, He played, James played that really well because I think it was just a a moment of acknowledgement, like, huh, it was my dad. I mean, like, he knew that it was his dad. But this, like you said, a, a subtle way of showing that, Maybe he's starting to question that dream a little mm. bit. And he also says that basketball is all he's got, too. So I feel like you're also being led to think, like, you know, am I, is my whole entire life path because of my dad now? It just brings up a lot of questions. It does bring up a lot of questions. And we see that Nathan wants to go to Duke, and then Haley, she wants to go to Stanford. And these schools are very far away from each other. 
and but they've always been like their individual dreams and now in this episode they are realizing which is kind of wild that they never really talked about it before <laughs> but, right right <laughs> but okay um they're just starting to realize you know wow our plans are different <laughs> and how are we going to work through this like this is an obstacle now that we have to face and i like how individually like no one was pressuring they they weren't pressuring each other at all mm-hmm. into to changing their plan but individually they were pondering like well maybe i could do something different to be with the other person yeah i liked that there was no pressure involved but they were contemplating what like a solution potentially to this issue yeah, and I loved how Nathan said this. He said, if I tell you not to go to Stanford, I'm telling you not to follow your dreams again. If I tell you to go, I'm saying I don't want to be with you. So what do you want me to say? And I really like that very subtle self-awareness that he possessed because, you know, he did this before on tour. And in a way, he was a little bit selfish. And yeah, there was there were some nuances. There was complications with that. If you want to hear that discussion again, go to our episode on season two, episode 13. But I really like that Nathan is more aware of this now. I know. They have really, you're seeing it in this episode. They've come really far in their relationship. And I know also in this episode, Nathan apologizes for what happened previously about the whole pregnancy thing. Again, Mm -hmm. he apologizes. So like between that and then this whole conflict, they're not jumping, they're not blowing it out of proportion, you know? They're trying to think like what they want basically so i Mm -hmm. like that this was not an argument i'm glad they didn't lead to that again right absolutely the one of the things i found to be very very interesting though i loved how the guidance counselor actually asked them like where does your wife want to go where does your husband want to go and i'm like is this something the high school guidance counselors ever actually have to navigate (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know could you like? Could you imagine? <laughs> that yeah, that is wild. <laughs> I don't think that happens like ever. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did like I knew a girl in high school who did get married, and I remember the guidance counselor like approached her with like being very very concerned, like she's she's like oh, are you pregnant like are, are you okay like are you being forced into this like <laughs> like so many questions in regard to that i feel like that's interesting but the fact this guy's counselor is like hey like you know like let's talk about your college goals and where does your relationship fit into that <laughs> like you knew someone who got married in high school yeah you know this you know this person though oh gosh i'm not saying i'm not saying the name <laughs> right all right all fair <laughs> Uh, I, I, did i block this out of my brain like okay interesting. she may okay she may have gotten engaged our senior year but she probably didn't get married until after okay. after okay interesting but anyway yeah off the, off the mic i'll tell you thanks <laughs> <laughs> um so other funny stuff that happens so i like how Haley's uh whole her her dreams literally get revealed in a literal dream <laughs> and that, that kicks off the episode 
And that's when she uh, she's woken up by the guidance counselor. She says, I want to go to Stanford. And then the guidance counselor laughs at her face. <laughs> and she's like, oh, oh, you're serious. Okay, well, uh, Stanford's going to be kind of hard for you to get into, Failey. <laughs> and then Haley's like, my name's Haley. Uh, I think you said Failey. And then the guidance counselor's like, oh, um, I'm sorry. I guess I said Failey because you failed all of your classes. Haley's like, I didn't fail anything. And she's like, oh, but what about your marriage? What about the friendship test? Did you fail that? (laughs) (laughs) So the friendship test that she is referring to is Lucas, because Haley never came clean about Lucas and his HCM. And uh, so we see a little sequence where Lucas is lying on a hospital bed. And uh, Dan and Tim are trying to resuscitate him, and then Lucas dies. And then we hear Tim say, looks like he's 86, yo. And then Dan's like, just say he's dead, Tim. And then Dan's like, you're next. And they do this demonic face. And then Haley wakes up from the dream. But anyway, all that just to say that that is Tim's last appearance as a Tree Hill High School student in the series. Yeah, that's wild. He doesn't even get a send-off. Yeah, no fanfare whatsoever, which I feel like this adds some validity to what Brett Claywell has said on the Drama Queens podcast. Uh, They're just, they never wanted to do anything with him. There was never any substance for him, unfortunately. And that's a damn shame. Yeah, it really is. And he probably just got sick of not, you know, getting good work. So why would you stick around? Yeah, we don't know the exact details. Like, was he even asked to come back after this point? This may have just been it. It's like, okay, we don't need you anymore. (laughs) That part's not really too clear, so I'm not sure. Based on the politics of acting, I'm pretty sure they just didn't ask him to come back. But I don't know. I'm not going to say anything as fact. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if this was it. They just never asked for him back anymore. And Brett Claywell was probably like, okay, well, you're lost. Yeah, and you think consistently, like, he's been in it season one, season two. And then all of the season so far. Oh, well. But that's his last scene, a fucking dream sequence. And that, the, I get the dream sequence is supposed to show Haley's anxiety, but it is kind of weird that Dan and Tim are there. Like, <laughs> like Dan, okay, I get that. Well, why is Tim there? <laughs> because it's funny. <laughs> I guess. It's like... They're like, oh, Brett Claywell, you're good at doing the funny stuff. Let's have you come in for just like, a few hours to do this scene. <laughs> I guess so. In which case, also kind of disrespectful to him because prior to this too, the last time we saw him was the uh, was during the boy draft dates when there's that big scene when he's talking about how he didn't get picked, he didn't get drafted. Are you sure that was the last time we saw him? Yes, I can verify because I don't want to like speak cockily, <laughs> but oh. He made an appearance in episode eight as well, which is the the morning after the boy draft dates, which I can't even tell you what, <laughs> what he did in that episode. What did he do? Oh, no, he got the tattoos. That's right. He got the chair up. Yes, yes. They were in the locker room. Yeah. Okay. So I, I stay corrected. That is the last time we saw him. Yeah, that makes sense. So at least we got to see him uh, do comic relief bits back to back. But still, bye to him. Bye. We didn't even know we were saying bye. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's so weird, like, watching some of these episodes now, like, knowing the history of the show. Because now you know, like, that's your last episode here? Okay. And, you know, there's another 
moment later on in the series, which I won't talk about now, <laughs> where a character just leaves and you don't even know that they're leaving for good. Yeah, there's always so much going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. That's why it's cool to hear from the drama queens. Yes. But anyway, let's uh, talk about the other couple, Brucus, where Lucas is wondering, how is the Fashion Institute's basketball program? And then Brooke is like, is there a good fashion program at, like, basketball school? (laughs) (laughs) I always die laughing every time I hear her say that line. (laughs) (laughs) Basketball school. Basketball school. (laughs) Basketball school. I feel like this will be, like, a really good, like, animated series. Lucas Scott's Basketball School. Like, could you imagine, like, a One Tree Hill series, like, uh, dedicated to, like, uh, 10-year-olds? No, I cannot. (laughs) (laughs) That's where my mind immediately went. Just imagine. It could be, like, on, uh, it it could be, like, a HBO Max series, Lucas Scott's Basketball School. It'll be, like, a fantasy world. It's, like, an alternate reality for Tree Hill. This is not something I ever thought of. (laughs) It's something I thought of. So I'm just saying, like, you know, HBO Max, if you want to write this uh, kid series, Lucas Scott's Basketball School, call me. I know you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, okay, so serious talk, though. So Lucas, like, one of the things that he really drives home is that college is expensive. He wants to get a athletic scholarship. And my first thought, like, when hearing this, is, like, this makes so much more sense for the HCM storyline and why Lucas is keeping it a secret. If this is, like, his one hope, but they don't introduce that that plot line until now. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. They never really brought, they never brought that up before. Yeah. Before it was just like, oh, I don't want to, I want to keep playing basketball because all my friends are in it. <laughs> Which I still think that's a big part of it, but... There is another component to it now, and that's going to yeah. add pressure to him. Yeah, but this is like a stronger motivation. I feel like the other one, like, oh, I'll lose my friends. I don't think there's... It, it was, it's so a little bit weak, to be honest. But this is more interesting, and I wish they drove this home a little bit more. Yeah, that, that, that's a really good point. Because I think, like, there's... When it comes to money, there that, that's a lot of pressure. And, like, he's not well off. Like, he and Karen have always struggled... So there is that pressure to be able to afford college. While Lucas is a good student, we can assume that's not always, you know, going to get you a scholarship. And basketball would, you know, that that's a clear way. Even if it's not like it could be like a D3 school or something. So it's not as good. You could still get a good scholarship. <laughs> Like, he doesn't have to be at, like, the best basketball school in order to get a scholarship. That's basically what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot that we can unpack about the toxicity of athletic scholarships. Like, the fact that they're given given away to very few students, first off. And then, once the student suffers from an injury, their athletic career is over, and they lose the scholarship after that. So, like, putting all your eggs in one basket for an athletic scholarship, and Nathan's kind of doing this, too, in a way. It's kind of tragic but that's a whole nother thing to unpack <laughs> i mean just athletic scholarships in general it's like what does this have to do with school <laughs> you know what i mean like it doesn't really have anything to do with school <laughs> actually yeah. so that's a whole different 
rant. It's kind of sad when there's some athletes who will, like, rely on it for, like, a full ride, you know what I mean? Like, okay, maybe get, like, you know, a little bit of a lump sum, but the fact that, like, you know, you're putting all your eggs in one basket, you're literally relying on this athletic scholarship. Like, that's kind of sad, you know? It is, because it's, like, the likelihood of that happening, (laughs) getting a full ride, is very small. Mm-hmm. And you would have to be, like, a really, really good player. Right. So, the toxicity of athletic scholarships is complicated and something we're not 100% fully equipped to talk about. <laughs> but something we are equipped to talk about is Brooke. And kind of wanting to live in the moment. <laughs> I know. I really do feel for Brooke. Because she admits that she is comfortable in high school. She knows who her friends are. She knows, like, the whole, I guess, social hierarchy. Her (laughs) words are, I like high school. I know who my friends are and who my enemy is. (laughs) Enemy. (laughs) Yeah, just enemy, which I love. (laughs) She says, I got this place down. Yeah, so, like, she... She's confident where she is right now, and the thought of going to college and away from this life is scary. And, you know, I definitely can relate to that feeling and thinking back to high school. You, you're you comfortable there, at least I was. I was comfortable there, and the thought of leaving that and people that I had known for my whole life, it was very scary. So, like, I totally relate to Brooke in this whole uh, episode. Yeah. And and I really like some of the stuff that she says, too. Um, and this part's a little bit funny, but it also kind of has, like, a serious tone to it. Because the guidance counselor's like, so what are your plans for after high school? And she's like, after high school, I have cheer practice. Which, <laughs> like, it, it's a funny, it's a humorous line, but it literally just shows, like, listen, I'm just thinking about the day right here. I really don't want to think about the future. And then there was another moment where the guidance counselor asked, so it, uh, it must be difficult being alone because her parents aren't around. And then Brooke's like, oh, I'm not alone. I, I hate being alone. I have my squad, my friends, my Peyton, my Lucas. So... She's very, like, she doesn't want to believe the fact that she is alone, because she does have people around her, and she doesn't, you know, she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to be alone at the end of the day. It's also interesting to me that the guidance counselor asked that question. Like, you know this child is alone (laughs) (laughs) without parental supervision, and it's just okay? Yeah. I, you know, this season I've wondered that. It's like, why last season were uh, Brooke's parents, like, all unsure about leaving her behind, and then she had to move into Lucas's, so there was parental supervision, but now this season it's okay if she's in an apartment all, I mean, she's with Haley, but she's on her own, you know? Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But that's just a little side tangent. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've always just imagined that Brooke also got emancipated herself, and that's why she has an apartment. I know, and I can kind of imagine that, too. It's just never acknowledged. So you really wonder. At least I really wonder. Right. Now, lastly, we have to talk about Peyton, who doesn't want to go to college, but... I think it would be fun. First off, let's, you know, now that we talk about the characters who do kind of have, like, you know, future goals for college and whatnot, Caitlin, what made you decide on your college? 
And I know you had, like, you know, numerous things happen. Like, I know you went to one college your freshman year. Then you left. You went to community college with me for a little bit. And then you transferred again to a completely different college. So, yeah, you had, like, you've had a journey. (laughs) So, do you want to talk about all of those journeys? I definitely had a journey. What made me decide that school, you're asking? Yeah. Like, Like, yeah, that first school you went to, like, when you graduated your, like, senior year of high school. So it's it's interesting. Um, I don't know. I was looking for colleges that were, I guess, afford like affordable or at least a reasonable <laughs> that were in state and that had a good teaching program because I had always wanted to be a teacher. So that was always the goal to go to school. That was really my reasoning for going there. Um, it ended up being the wrong reasoning because it was a bit too far and I was homesick and Ooh. I jumped into that decision. There's just a lot of societal pressure to go away to college at 18. Yeah. Especially with our generation. It's, I feel like that's yes. a unique challenge for our generation because like, I feel like uh, Gen Z nowadays... Gen Z is now thinking, like, oh, I'm going to go to a trade school because they realize that, like, college degrees don't necessarily get you very far. Don't get many people very far. So. Yeah. But anyway, keep going. It, it ups- That pressure, it upsets me when I think back at it. It ups- still upsets me now that, that kids, young kids are just, like, forced and, like, society wants them to know what they want to do at 18. And it's just, like, so yeah. unrealistic. And I didn't know what the heck I wanted at 18. Um, I did know what I wanted my career to be, but I didn't really know anything else. And there, there was a lot of other stuff that you have to figure out how to be a person, basically. Yeah. And then a few years later, you figured out you didn't want to be a teacher anymore. Well, I mean, I did teach <laughs> for five years. <laughs> yeah, you, you did it. You took the plunge. And then, like, but I wonder like, if you had that sort of... Um, if you were able to look ahead like that at age 18, it makes you wonder, like, would you have picked that career path, you know? I would have. I honestly believe that. Okay, cool. Um, I had to, and this is a longer conversation, probably no one cares about. But <laughs> I think people I, do care about. <laughs> I had to do it. And there are aspects of it that I loved and, you know, still do. But it just was not the career for me in the current climate in this country. Um, I think there are other countries where teachers are treated better, but fortunately in the United States, that is not the case. Uh, so I think that had to do with more of it than the actual teaching part. Gotcha. All gotcha. the other stuff. but Like the political aspects, you would say. Yeah, but to get back to, like, that decision, if I, if I could turn back time, <laughs> honestly... I would have not gone away to the first school that I went to. I would have just done community college at home, eased my way into things, and I ended up at a school that I really loved. But, like, that could have been the goal the whole time. But because there was just so much pressure to, like, do what everyone else was doing, I should have listened to myself. It's, it's It's really hard to be 18 and to know what you want. You just don't. Like, you can say, you know, what you want, but you really don't. Right, exactly. <laughs> what, what was your experience like? Um, 
well, you know, so I went to community college right away. I just feel like that was just always, like, the thing my parents drove home. Like, go to community college first because you'll save, like, thousands and thousands of dollars. And honestly, like, I do not regret that decision for a second. That was, like, one of the best decisions I ever made because it made it so I didn't have as many student loans or anything like that. Um, I actually have paid off my student loans because of starting community college first. And, you know, yeah. paying off your student loans at the age of 32, that's very rare for many people. So a lot of privilege in that regard. Um, so anyway, yeah, I went to community college first. And um, I decided on Rowan University as my uh, the school I decided to transfer to because I read an article about it and I thought it was cool. <laughs> Like, legitimately, like, I heard about the journalism program. I'm like, this sounds like a great school. And keep in mind, I did not, okay, this is is wild for me, too. I did not do any college tours or anything leading up to it or anything like that. I literally applied for that school, and then I went to orientation, and that was my first experience ever going to the school. Did you you know this? (laughs) I don't know if I knew that. That was your first time going there? Yes. I was already accepted and everything. That was my first time going. And thankfully, I figured out that the school's great. But... Oh my gosh, that's wild. Yeah, that was a that was a risk I took, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely did college tours. Several different ones. Like, initially, and then, you know, when I was transferring later on. So... Yeah, yeah, I didn't do any of those. That, I li- that's funny. <laughs> Whenever I tell people that, they're very, like, surprised by that, because, like, Jeremy, you're usually such a planner when you <laughs> come up with this stuff. Like, you just... <laughs> just winging it. <laughs> it was impulsive, honestly, but, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did go. I Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> it was something. I just want to go back to one thing you were talking about with the community college, because there's such a, and this bothers me so much, there's such a stigma to this day with a community college, and Mm -hmm. what you said, how it allowed you to pay off your loans, or at least made your loans more reasonable than it would have if, you know, you went to just a four-year university or something. Mm Mm-hmm. I hate that there's a stigma because if I could turn back, you know, back to when I was making this decision, I just would have done that from the get go. I mean, I was only at at this other school for one semester, so it's not like a huge deal, but I just would have done that from the beginning and there's no shame in that. Yeah. And I had some really fantastic professors who were just as good as ones at a normal college. Yep. And then I had some crappy ones, too. But <laughs> you can get that anywhere. It doesn't and then matter. just, like, <laughs> keep it, like keep in mind, too, the classes you take at community college are all of the bullshit courses. Like, you know, all these general education requirements. And, like, the fact that, like, there's other schools where you have to pay, like, you know, 30 grand. 30 grand's, like, actually one of the more reasonable prices. <laughs> but, yeah, you're paying, like, 30, sometimes, like, $60,000 a semester to just take these classes that have nothing to do with your major. It's like, why wouldn't you go to community college? Seriously, employers do not care because they don't even need to know. Because guess what? Where you got your degree <laughs> is what matters, and that's all you have to put on your resume. Exactly. 
They don't care. <laughs> and it doesn't even need to be known to anyone. <laughs> Right, exactly. And, and look what happened anyway, too. Like, us as millennials, like, you know, we, you know, because our, like, our parents, like, not necessarily, like, our our parents, like, you know, me and Caitlin's, but, like, you know, the, the generation, like, the boomers and whatnot, they said, like, go to college, go to college, go to college. And then, look, we listened to them. We all went to college. And now we're all competing against each other for jobs. Yeah. So there's that on back. And that's why I feel like Gen Z, Gen Z knows what's up because Gen Z knows how much the college is a scam. And they're looking at the millennials right now. And they're like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah, maybe I want to buy a house one day. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Like some people in Gen Z are thinking like, let's, maybe I don't want to go to college. Like my nephew is 19 years old. Like he is he's still trying to figure out like what he wants to do. He graduated college uh, a few months or graduated high school a few months ago. And he's still trying to figure, get his shit together. And you know what? That's okay. (laughs) Take your time. Get your shit together. It's okay. And it's normal. We're rushed into adulthood as teenagers or high school graduates. And it's not Mm -hmm. right. So people do what you need to do. Take the time to do what you need to do. Don't listen to other people and go to community college. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that is mine. Mm-hmm. Or don't go to college at all. You know or, what? That's or cool, not. too. Yeah. <laughs> March or, to the beat of your own fucking drum. Exactly. Which brings us to a good organic point to talk about Peyton right now. Because <laughs> Peyton doesn't get the point. And honestly, I kind of like this journey for her. But, of course, by the end, like, Ellie says, like, hey, you know, like, I was a, I'm a freelance writer. I live paycheck to paycheck. Like, you you know, I wish I did go to college, which I'm like, okay. <laughs> which completely, like, spits in what Caitlin and I just put out there. <laughs> yeah. And, she, you know, Ellie says, like, oh, I imagine you majored in art, music, or business. Yeah, business is where the money is. Majoring in art or music, I'm sorry, is not going to get you there yeah. <laughs> unless you do like the education aspect of to it right yeah <laughs> and we're not trying to tell people like hey don't pursue art and music like we need we need artists we need musicians and whatnot um but there's other ways to pursue that like you don't necessarily need a de- you don't need a degree for those <laughs> for those careers you know yes and if you go if you do end up going to college choose a degree that's worth it yeah. Because I feel like there's a lot of degrees that just aren't worth it. Yeah. On their own, unfortunately. Like my sad, degree. <laughs> you think so? I think so. Oh, I mean, I was a journalist sucks. for a few years. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But I definitely wish I did major in something else. Long story short. Hey, if I had just stuck with English, I don't really know what... <laughs> Like, you have to do something else. Right, exactly. Like, I had the education aspect to it, so... Yeah. But, yeah, at the end of the day, I feel, you know, my journalism degree is very similar to the whole art and music aspect. It's, like, one of those things where, like, you don't necessarily need a degree <laughs> in order to get far. Yeah. You can teach yourself, but then again, some jobs, like, won't take you unless you have a degree. So it's complicated. It's nuanced. Yes. And if there's any journalists listening to this, I, I I feel bad if I'm, like, you know, trying to shit on your degree. But that's how I say it. All of those passions that we just listed, like, art, music, journalism, like, any of them. It's not to say, like, that's not something worthy to pursue. 
it's just paying the money. It's so much money. Just mm-hmm. so much money. So you want to make, you just want to choose wisely. If you're going to do it, choose wisely. Yeah. And keep making your music and your art, like, on the side. Like, and, and I feel like, you know, this conversation was happening in 2006, but in today's world, there's so many ways to put your work out there. Mm-hmm. You will get notice. Yeah. That's totally true. Should we get off our soapbox now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could go into a thing about how all cops are bastards when we're talking about Keith in, in jail. I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> Wait, what are? What do you want to talk about? I, I want, do you want to say one more thing sure, about sure. the whole, like, all of the characters and their college meetings? Please, please, please. I like how there were so many different things, and they might have even said this in the Drama Queens podcast. I'm not sure. But regardless, I like how each character kind of represented something a little bit different yeah they did talk about this drama queens i listened to it this morning did they (laughs) yeah they did mention this because like we have peyton who isn't sure if she wants to go to college at all so like that's different we have brooke who's like well maybe fashion school but i'm really nervous about leaving high school you know so there's like the anxiety portion there and then um lucas is worried about money which is a reasonable concern nathan wants to uh pursue basketball so he doesn't even really he's not interested in school per se but like he wants to use school as a means to get to a basketball career yeah and then Haley also had the anxiety because of the the dream the dream portion i think she represents like the anxiety of of making this decision too and she really cares about her academics because she shares that she always had the dream to go to Stanford. So mm-hmm. I, I like how each character had something different to bring to the table to to this whole conversation in general about college and like what the next step is. Everybody represented a different and totally valid experience. Yes. But I still feel like the end of the episode trying to drive home the idea, go to college, <laughs> which... yeah. Not necessarily the best idea all the time for everybody. So like, I kind of wish, like, you know, uh, the episode ended with Peyton being like, you know what, college isn't for me, and you know what, that's okay. I wish it ended there for her, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think that is the message. Yeah, because Ellie is like, Ellie mentioned the fact that Peyton has so much, like, you know, potential and whatnot, but I'm like, yeah, Peyton does have potential. She doesn't need to go to college to realize that potential. She doesn't need college to validate her anymore, because she, guess what? She will still be an amazing, hardworking individual, even without a college degree. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's really true. But on a, on a different note, though, I, I really liked, because uh, you, you brought up Haley, uh, made me think about it. <laughs> but I like the fact that Haley went on a trip to California with her sister to look, th- to look at colleges. Oh, yeah, she did say that. And I'm like... <laughs> The sister is much, much older than her, <laughs> because she said she was eight. Well, she is a family of, isn't it eight? <laughs> or do we really know? <laughs> it's like a huge family. We, we, we I don't know. We know Taylor, and I'm pretty sure they mentioned a sister named Vivian and Quinn. Yes. So we know she has at least three sisters <laughs> at this point, but who knows? Just, yeah, you know. If- I mean, if her parents had a big family like that, you know, had so many children, seven or eight children, like, they could very well be ten years apart. Yeah, possibly. 
Also, Haley used to play pretend SATs, which I think is just like so fucking precious. <laughs> pretend. <laughs> I hated the SATs. That's a whole nother rant. Oh, yeah. Like how SATs are trying to measure you based on your, they're trying to measure your success and everything. But guess what? Some people are good test takers. I was, I did terrible. And I felt so much shame around it. Yes. Oh, I didn't know this. I hated it. Huh. I, I had, like, an average score. I didn't, like, you know, I didn't have, like, any Ivy League-level scores, but... I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And it's it's so stupid. And, and it was all... had no measure... It did not measure... I was a good student, always was, from high school to college, you know, A's and B's. So it doesn't measure... It doesn't really reveal anything. Yeah. It's ableist. Yeah. Is it what is. it is. It's really fucking ableist. Oh, jeez. Okay. Well, this episode is inspiring discussions. <laughs> it is. I knew the college aspect would, because I have a lot of feelings and thoughts about all this stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're like, yo, kids of Tree Hill, like, live your life. Do what's best for you. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, are we go- are we-, we ready to drastically change the subject? Yes. Are we go- Let's go to jail. Um <laughs> <laughs> Again, we were already in jail a few episodes ago. Yeah, but we're also in orange jumpsuits again, too, because <laughs> apparently that's what happens when you just go to jail. Anyway. Honestly. Um, I gotta say, Keith is amazing with interrogations. <laughs> <laughs> Why like, do you say that? No, just like the stupid questions that the cop was asking. Like, so why did you come back to Tree Hill? Keith's like, um, because I live here. <laughs> and he's like and we know that you purchased a gun and then keith is like oh my god was dan shot oh no <laughs> it was a fire yeah. <laughs> and like he's like subtly like jabbing at the cops like poking holes and like and everything so like keith basically said a cab before the, the mainstream audiences were saying a cab okay <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh and then dan just like and Zan attacks Keith, and I like that Keith is like, help, police. <laughs> Dan just stoops to a new low every single episode. Really. Yeah. Oh, and, and with this whole with this whole little interaction, too, like, he, he's talking to, uh, he's talking to Lucas, and he says, hey, you gotta go to your guidance counselor. Keith didn't go to college. Look where he ended up. Which is, like, a very classist moment. A dig into his brother. I know. It's... Ugh, gosh. So basically, the police tell Dan that they can no longer hold Keith in jail because they arrested him as a favor, and now there's, like, nothing to keep him there because there's no evidence of any sort. And then Keith is like, could this visit take the place of Christmas this year? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I think this is my favorite Keith episode here. He has a really good sense of humor, considering <laughs> this is pretty dark stuff, you know? Your brother like, getting you arrested? Yeah, I would like to think that I would have this type of attitude if I were to ever get arrested. You know, which could happen one day, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> I mean, it'll be for something. It's not going to be for, like, you know, any, like, real crime, like, murder or anything. It might, get, it might happen for, like, I don't know, like, tax evasion or... <laughs> what? Or <laughs> tax evasion, or no, a better like you get arrested like at a protest or something like that. I feel like that could happen for me. And you know what? I love that for me. Like let that happen. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, you are too much. <laughs> yeah, because I would totally own it. Like even like job interviews, I'll be like, yeah, I was arrested because I was fighting for uh, I was fighting for a woman's right to choose. Like, is that a problem for you? Okay, I shouldn't be working for your company then. Okay, bye. <laughs> Yeah, I think I feel like that's a valid arrest that you could easily like explain. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, unless the employer <laughs> doesn't agree with your belief system, <laughs> then I guess yeah. that's their decision. And that's why I said yeah. I would literally tell the employer, be like, "Oh, you don't believe in that? Okay, like I don't think I should work for you then. Okay, bye, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> bye." <laughs> um. On a completely different note, though, uh, there was a little bit of casual homophobia with this scene, with this whole storyline. Um, Lucas makes a shot, and he misses at the river court, and then Keith says, you know, in jail, a shot like that will make you somebody's girlfriend. And then Lucas is like, yeah, well, you would know. Ooh. Just, just gotta call that out. Cringe. Very cringe. That is cringe. Oh, gosh. I didn't pick but, up on that one. But Keith and Karen go on a date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk about happy things. This is so cute. And I love when Karen's getting ready for the date. <laughs> yeah, when she's talking to Lucas and she's like, yeah. how do I look? Lucas is like, you look good. It's the same as you asked last time and the time before that. <laughs> and then Karen's like, and the time before that. <laughs> I know. And then he's like, you know, this is getting pretty serious, huh? Bringing him home to meet the fam. <laughs> and she she's walking out the door and she's like, enough. <laughs> it's, it's, he's like, when I, he also says like, oh, um, do, do you want me to meet him? Make sure his intentions are honorable. Yep. Yeah, I think this is so adorable. Lucas being like a, like a dad. And he cracks his knuckles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is really cute. I love this, this whole scene with him because I feel like. Karen and Lucas, they have such good chemistry, like as mother and son, and it was fun to see that again because we yeah, see that sure. we see that here and there, but like this especially was a really fun moment. Even even as moments with Keith, too, where like uh, Keith asks Keith asks Lucas, "So I asked your mom out on a date." Lucas is like, "Great, what'd she say?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's a little like. Them finally getting together is a little, like, almost anticlimactic, because it's like they've known each other so long. Keith has pined for her for so long. It's been so obvious that she should at least have given it a shot, you know, at the beginning of the series, and even well before the series started. Yeah. <laughs> at least just give him a shot. Like, there's clearly something there that you can't deny. Yeah, and I know, like, I had so many issues with how Keith was, like, pursuing her in season one. How the whole thing, like, oh, like, you know, I didn't get anything out of this friendship with you. Despite the fact, like, hey, you have a kid who loves you, okay? Like, Yeah. A lot's on back. Listen to season one. (laughs) Things are a lot different now, though. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, even with all that stuff, I'm like, I can't help but be happy that the two of them are together now. I know. And it feels like... While I think it does feel um, like things have moved a little fast, like suddenly Keith's back home and suddenly there's some chemistry and they kiss and they're going on a date. Like it does seem boom, 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 boom coming out of nowhere since Keith has been gone a while. But we know these two characters have had this chemistry for a long time. So it also feels natural too. So like I feel those two things at the same time. Right. (laughs) You know. 
Yeah. At the same time, I feel like it makes sense that the two of them are together. Like, they're both single right now. They're both at a place in their life where they realize that they have feelings for the other person. And now they're both single and in town at the same time. And I think they had to make those realizations on their own. Like, Keith yeah. had to leave and kind of find himself again and realize that Jules was not who she was and that it, that it was Karen. And it would always be Karen for him. Mm-hmm. And then Karen had to have space from Keith, I think. Yeah. And she broke up with Andy because that wasn't right. And Deb's not in town either. And Deb's so. not in town. So, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Karen came to her own realization in her own way. <laughs> But you are becoming me because you just rolled with that. You're like, yeah, Deb's not in town anymore. I so, did. So I did. I'm so, rolling with it. I... So Karen's not dating Deb. Oh, God. I, I appreciate you so much. <laughs> I agreed with that, but I knew I was agreeing with that. <laughs> but like, there wasn't even like a sarcastic totally... tone. You just rolled with it. I'm like, God. All right. I'm like, I'm becoming such a positive influence on you, and I'm proud. It's honestly so normal now. Like, I honestly want to see them get together. Like, why can we not? Can we have this? Can we have this now? I'm just saying. The One Tree Hill reboot. I feel like I've thought about it because of you. I've thought about it so much. It's just like... All right, I want to see this happen. Like, we need we need this story. Oh, this is... I've been waiting for this moment my entire life. And my entire life, I mean, the last two years since we started this podcast. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, one last little jokey thing I want to make, though, about this date. Is this really a date? Like, they got dressed up to go to Lucas's basketball game, and then they're going out to dinner with Lucas afterwards. Isn't this something they would just do anyway? I had the same thoughts. <laughs> This does not sound like a date. Going to a basketball game? Come on. Like, maybe they had a few drinks with each other beforehand, like, before the game, in which case I'm like, that's cute. Maybe that's what they did. But I'm like, this is something they do together anyway. I'm like, I want to see them have a romantic date. (laughs) You know, one-on-one. Yeah, and not have Lucas tag along. Like, they could have went out to dinner after the game by themselves. Like, why is Lucas coming? Right. Well, I mean, I it, it's kind of cute because, like, the whole idea of, like, being a family and whatnot, I know. but I know. I'll talk about the whole thing about, like, going to Lucas's game. Like, they didn't have to go to Lucas's... I mean, yes, go to Lucas's game to support him, of course, but they should have had, like, a separate date. Like, what, like, why is this a date? They were literally just going to the game together, which is something they would have done anyway. They're just hanging out with each other. I would say that this is a date I've gone on, like, several thousands of dates. Like... <laughs> <laughs> several thousand. Yeah, with like this year alone, several thousands. I don't even go out of the house that much. Like, the, like the drama queens live taping that we're that, that I was we're just going about to. to say that we've like, been on a lot of dates, Jerry. Yeah. Is that a date? <laughs> <laughs> By this idea, yeah, kind of a date. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> so. <laughs> Let's uh, dive into the whole uh, Peyton Ellie benefit album stuff. So I want to know your thoughts about their conversation about the friends with benefits at the very beginning of the episode. Peyton's on that call with Brooke and she brings up the concept of friends with benefits to Ellie. And basically Ellie said she was like, so it's basically sleeping around. And then Peyton described it and then basically said yeah i guess it is (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, she says, like, no, it's fr- It's just uh, being friends with someone you get to have sex with, but they can hook up with other people, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's the same. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. What were your thoughts about that? I mean, in the canon of the show, this uh, like they're using their own definition of friends and benefits. Um, but I do want to like add in that same scene because Ellie is talking about uh, like, have you had any beneficial friends? And then that's when Peyton's like, I need this guy Nathan for a while. And then there was this other guy, but he was more than that. And she calls Nathan, yeah, more benefits than friends. And yes. That, and then this other guy, and she doesn't name him yeah which is kind of curious mm-hmm. and she says um, and ellie asks if she's in love with him and she says yes well Payne or, doesn't say anything or she doesn't really of, a, yeah she doesn't really say anything you're right but i think it's implied heavily implied that she said yeah yeah, yeah it was heavily implied because then ellie says to peyton she's like but if you find someone you're in love with who's also your friend wouldn't that be the greatest benefit which <laughs> isn't that kind of like what you were saying <laughs> that's basically my philosophy yes and i didn't even put that together until you said it out loud like <laughs> yeah like that is the greatest benefit it's you know you, you're in love with somebody who's also your friends and you know if you're in love with this person like you may have sex with this person so mm-hmm. isn't that amazing friendship is the greatest benefit i believe that's what you said <laughs> yeah that is what i say something that People still quote back to me every now and then, which I love. My art is immortalized. Did this start in season one or two? This whole thing? It had to start in season two because of the whole uh, Felix situation. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, But yeah, that that conversation. And Ellie also says, like, that's the hard part. Like, being in love. Sex is easy, which is the truth. That is the easy part. Mm -hmm. But the friendship part and the love and the love romantic side of it that is the hard part but Peyton says I don't know it's a fairy tale I guess and then Ellie shrugs and she's like well there's nothing wrong with fairy tales everyone ends up happily ever after oh that was a cute it was just like a nice conversation that they have and which we know why that conversation was had because it plants the seed for the eventual title of the album friends with benefit uh-huh <laughs> which is very, very clever because it's a benefit album so yes. it makes a lot of sense i have thoughts on that album cover later on but we'll get to that when we talk about the code <laughs> really it, it's funny it's not oh, okay it's not, super, it's not super serious you're like oh no like the are, are we gonna have to cancel this <laughs> like no it's not like that <laughs> but uh Speaking of a good segue, let's talk about Rachel and her whole thing with Mouth. This whole scene at the beginning when Rachel tries to take Mouth away from his like appointment. He was in the, he was waiting for his guidance counselor appointment. <laughs> and yeah. she's like, come with me, come with me. And she's going on and on trying to like convince him. And she and Rachel calls the guidance counselor a burnout. <laughs> Yeah, she says, why would you trust a a burnout and a dead-end job? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And then Mouth says to Rachel, Rachel, that burnout's my mom. See, I can joke too. (laughs) I just love that delivery. Yeah, I did too. And I forgot about that line too. And I was like, 
like I, like watching it for this you know for this recording i was like wait a minute is that really mouse mom <laughs> and they just completely ignore her entirely i'm like that's really fucked up and that is racist i'm just gonna call that what it is <laughs> what do you like, mean oh, it's a joke i mean it, it's racist the fact that like you know we get like if if this was actually mouse mom and this was like her only episode oh yeah like yeah. she doesn't get a name like this yeah. is fucking racist that would have been wrong but it was a total joke <laughs> yeah the joke was funny <laughs> and he pauses and says see i can joke too <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. so their banter is kind of funny like between rachel and mouth we're getting that vibe now uh-huh but then uh Mouth goes outside and he's like, you know, teaching the squad some routines. And then Brooke arrives and they're like, oh, Rachel said you wanted us here an hour early. And I just got to say, what's up with all these miscommunications between like Rachel and, or like these miscommunications with Brooke and the squad? I'm like, like, why don't you trust Brooke? Like, why is Rachel like, oh, like I'm passing on this message to all of you from Brooke? Yeah, Even it's, Peyton it's and Haley. Like, I was like, going to say the same thing. Peyton and Haley, like, what the heck? And I know even Brooke said, like, what? she even said to them, like, what's going on here? Like, why would you two do this? And <laughs> they claim that Brooke's always late. So they just thought, you know, okay, we're going to go along with us. Weird. <laughs> it is weird. And then we get the big reveal that Rogue Vogue, Rachel tells Brooke that Rogue Vogue... It's an offhanded comment, but she says yeah. Rogue Vogue is the same weekend as the Sparkle Classic. And <laughs> now Brooke knows why mm. Rachel set her up. Yep. And so that's why we know from the last episode when Rachel's like, no, thank you. So we know what that's about. And I'm just, <laughs> this is such like a weird thing like to get your enemy for. If, uh, I mean, you know, Rachel does tell Mouth, like, oh, she had no idea that it was the same weekend when she submitted her sketches. It, but who, who really knows what Rachel was thinking? But I'm just saying, if Rachel actually was doing this to get back at Brooke and say, like, oh, like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to put you into a big national fashion competition so you can't compete in our high school cheerleading competition. Yeah, I'm going to show you. Like, <laughs> Is this really a good <laughs> comeback here? I know. It's like you're helping someone out. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's just a way for Rachel to, like, take control of the team. You know? Yeah. That annoys Brooke. Because this is her squad. You know? But then if Brooke goes to this, uh, if she goes to this competition and she does well... Then she could get her own fashion line and she could actually become like a big national hit. What'll Rachel be? She'll be the head cheerleader. I, I don't think that's going to go very far for you, Rachel. But then again, she's in high school. She doesn't know any better. Well, think about where Brooke's head is at in this episode. She knows where she fits in. And that's like where she, that's where she's like focusing her attention on everything she knows and her world, the world around her. She's not really thinking about, like, oh, if she got this contract, fashion contract or whatever. I I feel like she's just not there yet. Really, you know, processing the fact that that could happen. Yeah. Which, uh, on on that note, actually, um, yeah, she's, like, she keeps thinking about, like, all these new ideas and whatnot. And then she catches the moment when she calls Peyton. No. 
Yeah, there's a moment where she calls Peyton and like, you know, with like an ID. You don't see her on screen, but you see her, you hear, you see Peyton talking on the phone when yeah. she's with Ellie and then she hands up. Um, I, I just like the whole thing that Brooke was like calling Peyton every second she had an idea. Yeah, because... yeah, that, I do remember that, yes. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Peyton said like, oh, I didn't think, uh, I don't think I'd hear from her anymore. Like once her and Lucas started this whole non-exclusive dating crap. And I just love this because I'm like, oh, Brooke and Peyton are still talking just as much as they used to, even though she's dating somebody. <laughs> I know. That's nice. That's some nice representation there because that often mm-hmm. <laughs> friends get forgotten when uh, relationships start. Yeah, but that was slightly off topic. I just wanted to bring that up. Um, but yeah, you're right. Brooke is kind of in her head. Um, but she comes to the conclusion, uh, like, wait a minute, like, the competition, the two competitions are at different times during the weekends. I'm not Supergirl, I can't, I can fly. (laughs) (laughs) Because one is on one day and another's on another day, and there's a flight smack dab in the middle. (sighs) And then at one point she's talking about, like, the trophy she's gonna... She's going to win, and one's going to go up Rachel's, and then the scene cuts. (laughs) Yeah, the scene cuts to Dan getting something out of the vending machine, and so that I say, name brand orange soda (laughs) watch. (laughs) Yes, I noticed that. (laughs) I was looking, like, during that that scene when he's talking to Haley, and, like, I was, like, looking to see if, like, he held the bottle in, like, a certain way, but he didn't at all. No. Like, it was actually very subtle, but I'm I'm really surprised that he wasn't forced. Like, look at me, look, this is what I am drinking right now. (laughs) Make the logo clearly visible, but we only see it, like, on the actual (laughs) vending machine itself. (laughs) Oh, so funny. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so Brooke is now the busiest girl in her business. <laughs> and then does, doesn't Brooke say bitchcraft or something? Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. That was the same scene. <laughs> yeah, like I think she yeah she said something accusing Rachel of using bitchcraft, like your bitchcraft and uh-huh, work. Uh huh. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Oh, the other thing that real, that happened in the storyline now. Uh, Brooke goes completely mean girls on mouth. Oh yeah. Because Brooke says, oh, I know how a girl like her sees someone like you. And then Mouth is like, oh, someone like me? Like, what does that mean? And he's like, oh, I get it. A hot girl would want nothing to do with me unless she needed something. And I don't think that's what Brooke meant. But it comes across that yeah. way. But I really don't think that's what Brooke meant. Yeah, and I don't think she meant it. Yeah, She clarifies she later, it. too, when she apologizes. Which I really mm-hmm. liked that scene. Right. She just wanted, she basically just wants to protect Mouth, you know, from this person who's not so nice, at least not so nice to Brooke. (laughs) And I think that's where that, wanting to protect him is like where that came out. Because Mouth's a nice guy and she does not see Rachel as being a nice girl. Right, yeah. So she didn't want those two people to like be friends. So I, I understand where Brooke's coming from, but, like, yeah, the comment wasn't too nice. Yeah, it, but I feel like a lot of it was how Mouth was taking it, too. Because Mouth was like, oh, so I should stick with my own kinds. I feel like he's kind of viewing himself in that regard, in which, you know, Brooke is, like, a higher, has a higher social standard than he does, and Rachel has a higher social standard than he does. 
So, hand out somebody like the Raisin Girl. GG. You know, it, yeah. it, it's it's definitely something he's internalizing, which I'm like, I, I feel like they don't have time to unpack this in this episode. But it would have been nice to see, to see Mouth realize, like, okay, you know what? Like, these feelings I'm having aren't facts. Yeah, I think it's it's his insecurity speaking when he says, like, stick with my kind. Like, I feel like he, I feel like Mouth's a little insecure. He used to like Brooke, at least. Yeah. But, you know, she didn't reciprocate. So I feel like that yeah. might be a little touchy of a thing. You know, the popular girl didn't like him. So maybe now, like, it's the same thing could happen with Rachel type thing. So I think those insecurities are coming up again. Yeah. But still, like, this is all, th- this is all in his head. Internal, In a yeah. way. Um. Which, you know, kind of, you know, that kind of makes sense. Like, they're making Brooke into the villain in this episode. And Mouth is, like, the good guy, which kind of goes into the whole thing about how Mouth is a self-insert for the creator and showrunner. Yeah. I was thinking that, too. Yeah. So, do you want to go to the game? <laughs> yeah, let's go to the game. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... One of the first scenes that happens is I love that Dan... Well, I don't love this part. I love the part that comes after that. Um, Dan tries to essentially claim credit for the scout being there. But Nathan says, oh, if he's here, it's because of me. You can't claim this. And I just love that Nathan has that confidence right there. That's really nice that he he kind of stood up to Dan in that way. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, another moment unrelated to Nathan is as they were... As Karen and Keith are walking into the game, they run into Dan, and um, Dan says, you both could do better. And Karen says, God knows I've done worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so another <laughs> another diss on Dan. Yes. <laughs> and then Dan tell, tells Keith, like, uh, I wouldn't leave town if I were you. And Keith is like, oh, I'm not going anywhere, Danny boy. And I kind of, I really like that Keith is standing up for himself because he's at that point where like, hey, listen, Dan, you can't rattle me anymore. Yeah. And I feel like people go through this, like when they're being bullied or something. It's like, you know, you hit that moment where like that your bullies can't rattle you anymore. Like they don't affect you. And it's like, seriously, like I'm living my life and I'm happy. I'm moving the fuck on, <laughs> you yeah. know? And I, yeah. So I like the scene that you just shared about Nathan and then the the scene with Karen and Keith, it's like Dan's walking around trying to be like this terrible person. She's trying to be terrible, I feel like, at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Claim the credit for the scout, just trying to rile Karen and Keith. And like everyone's just responding to him like, I don't know. They just have good comments in response to him. <laughs> uh-huh. Like Dan is losing control. He used to have so much yes. control over all these people. And all these people are like, hey, you can't fucking do anything to me anymore. Yeah. And like you you even see during the game when Nathan is giving Lucas the advice about the dead spot and how to use that to your advantage. And you see Dan like looking at them as they were strategizing. Oh, I missed this, but and keep going. It, it was just like a subtle moment. Like you could blink yeah. and miss it. But I feel like he's just seeing like these two boys who he doesn't really want to be close. He doesn't want them to be brothers, I don't think. You yeah. know, seeing them work together and has nothing to do with him. So I feel like that's another way that he's like losing control too. Mm-hmm. Like this team can be good and it doesn't have to involve Dan and Dan's advice to Nathan. Like 
Nathan was able to kind of like take ownership and, and, you know, step in and help Lucas out in that moment. So it was just an interesting thing to point out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, and Lucas, was, and, you know, Dan wanted Nathan to get all the attention from the scout. So. Yes. So now Lucas is the star. Yeah, Lucas is a star player. Now he's getting all the attention, which is exactly what Dan didn't want. But not only did Dan not want it, but he also saw Nathan helping Lucas out. So he's like, what control does he have over these people anymore? He's losing it. He truly is. <sighs> it's wild, but I like when Lucas scored the winning shot. That was a nice little slow-mo moment. It was, and then they, um, they pick him up, and he after they win the game... Like, the, the whole team. <laughs> and he's looking is, at Karen and Keith kissing, and, and he's yes. like, has this big smile on his face. This is such a feel-good episode. <laughs> it, it was such a great sequence of things, because um, I have this actually, yeah, I had this written down. So the guidance counselor, because it's flashing between the guidance counselor and the game, and then you see Karen and Keith in the stands. So the guidance counselor says to uh, Lucas, sounds like he, meaning Keith, really cares about you. Because Lucas had just said, you know, that Keith really wanted him to join the team a year ago. And then a flash is to Karen and Keith kissing in the stands. Then Lucas says, yeah, he's like a father to me. And then you flash to Lucas winning the game. And it was just like, like you said, feel good moment, like boom, boom, boom. It was just like a great sequence. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> it made me <laughs> smile. <laughs> Yeah, like, they do the sports, so they do the whole sports scene much better, like, nowadays. The sports yeah, scenes, do. I should say. Because season one, I was like, I didn't really care if they won. And this one, I'm like, they won. Especially, like, after they went through a losing streak. And I'm like, oh my god, they actually won. It was because of Lucas. Go, Lucas. I know. I know. It's really great. At the same time, there's the underlying tragedy with his HCM and whatnot, but... There is. Um, so that's kind of hard. But I also like how Nathan was the one who gave him advice because he didn't really like old Nathan really would have thrown a fit if he was told to sit on the bench. Yeah. With a scout. I mean, he was initially upset, which is totally understandable to be. But hey, you didn't go to a class. So it's like you make these decisions. Ugh, at the same time, there's layers. Like, I under- we should understand why he didn't go to class, but... I know. Whitey probably had to follow some type of school board yes. law or whatever. He's going to have to follow, like, policy. Yeah. But um, I like that we didn't see him throw a fit. It's like, okay, he was annoyed, he accepted it, and then he made the best of it. Mm-hmm. And helped out the team, and they won. So that's really all that matters. Yeah. And he even accepts it when he talks to Whitey later, which, that happens in Dakota. Should we talk about Dakota now? Yeah, let's go. Let's go for it. All right, the song that plays is Life After Love by Colored Shadows. Not to be confused with the Cher song. That's not even the title of the Cher song. I don't even think that is it. (laughs) No, the song's (laughs) called Believe by Cher. (laughs) You believe in love after love. But as as soon as I saw the lyric, or as soon as I saw the song title, I thought about Cher. (laughs) That's so true, I didn't even think of that. I just wanted to share that with you. <laughs> anyway, so th- this is like a whole montage of different scenes. Like you see like the, you see the high school kids talking to the counselor and it flashes back to them doing various things. Um, 
So Brooke, during this, like, little bit, she's watching Lucas get into the car. She's seeing Mouth and Rachel go off together, and she's walking home alone. And that's what she says. The truth is, I don't really like to think about college, because that means high school's over. After graduation, everyone will probably go play basketball or sing or start record labels. And I'll have to start all over. I'm sure I'll be fine. But like I said, I don't like to think about it. That's really tough, you know? It was a very interesting look into her psyche, for mm-hmm. sure. And Brooke is always so confident. To, to, so to see her like admit that she's nervous about the future and that she doesn't really know what the future will bring for her is a little surprising, mm-hmm. I think. But I, it's normal. It's a normal thing to feel. Yeah. This is a moment where we can feel, where people can feel seen when they're just like, they don't want to start a new chapter in their life. And I feel like this isn't just a thing for high school either. This is like a thing you can go through when you're starting any new chapter. Yeah. And the chapter's coming to an end. So like, what do you do next? For sure. So then we see Lucas eating dinner with Karen and Keith and... As we see that scene, he's speaking at the end of the day. I just want to be with my family and friends. I just want to play basketball and I want to go to college. That's not too too much to ask, is it? It's not too much to ask, Lucas, okay? It's pretty simple. Yeah, but it's so complicated and the future's uncertain. And uh, we get to see Nathan... uh, being a little bit conflicted about Haley when he says, it's just hard because the game's the only thing that ever mattered to me until Haley came along. So it's like, yeah, he's admitting that things are different now and, like, he has to think about what his dreams truly are. Mm-hmm. So now we're in Whitey's office and Nathan tells Whitey that it was a good thing that he got benched and he asks if Whitey will call the scout from Stanford. And Whitey knows, like, <laughs> I'll make the call. Uh-huh. <laughs> because at first he said, I'll make sure that scout comes back. And then Nathan's like, actually, I was thinking you could call a scout from Stanford. <laughs> so this just this is a good follow-up to the previous scene where he's like, oh, Haley is what matters to me now. So you know what? Like, I could play ball at Stanford and I could be happy. I could make a compromise here, you know? Yeah, he's considering what the alternative could be. Like, yeah, a, a compromise. And it looks like Haley is also thinking the same thing because we see her, she's writing a list of pros and cons for Duke and Sanford. And you see under Duke, her pro is Nathan, but then under Sanford, her con is no Nathan. So, weighing her options right there, and you hear her say, it's just hard because before I was married, I thought Sanford was my future, but all those different faces I remember, all those different people... None of them are Nathan. Aw. I loved it. Yeah, so it's like they're on the same page on their own. (laughs) Yeah. They're not talking about it yet together, but they're thinking about it. It's so nice to see them be in a stable couple. (laughs) To be in sync for once. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad to see them at this point. It's so great. I know. And now we're at Peyton's house. She walks in and she sees Ellie with red eyes. And then Ellie tells her that she was at the game, which Peyton didn't know. That scene is so emotional. I know we talked about it at the, at the beginning, but her... Yeah. Because you, you can tell that, like, she's been crying. Mm-hmm. And it's... Oof. And it's not really dealt with either. 
No, but it's not. It's just like, this is like Ellie's private little moment right here. It is. She's like, oh, I just wanted you to do your own thing. You know, you looked like you were in your element. Yeah. And then Ellie reveals that she has the cover art for the album, and she reveals the title, Friends with Benefit. And we said it's a drawing of uh, Peyton as the Angel of Death, which, like, this is a, this is a fucking great, like, album cover for us One Tree Hill fans, because... In case you don't know this, fellow One Tree Hill fans, this album was released as a real album. <laughs> like, so with cool. this with this exact cover. The only difference is the little red heart in the corner and had the One Tree Hill logo in it. Cute. Um, so this worked in the world of the real world. This worked in the real world. But in the world of uh, Tree Hill... Would you ever actually buy an album with, like, a very grim-looking emo angel of death to support breast cancer research? <gasps> I know, right? It's, it is kind of funny. Because <laughs> usually yeah, you would get the pink ribbon, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah I, was, I was looking, like, where are the pink ribbons here? There's nothing. <laughs> you wouldn't, you had, would have no idea that it was for that. Just exactly. by, like, glancing at the album cover. <laughs> Yeah, and I'll just say it's kind of dark and depressing, too. Like, don't you want, like, it, yes, it, you know, breast cancer is dark and depressing, of course, but, like... Angel of yeah. death for breast <laughs> yeah. cancer, like, research or whatever? <laughs> so it's, it's a little much, so anyway, that was, the, that was the joke I wanted to make regarding that, because... Good point. It's weird. Really good point. <laughs> but, but then after this... Peyton has a conversation with her guidance counselor, and she says, so I think I want to study art and music and maybe business. Any suggestions? So she's had a change of heart. Yeah. Influenced by Ellie. Yeah. This is cute, but I I wish Ellie just empowered Peyton to not go to college. (laughs) Yeah. But like we said, though, this generation, the time when we were growing up, was really like this. Yeah, absolutely. But maybe if 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 One Tree Hot a reboot, maybe if this scene was redone, maybe Allie would be like, Yeah, yeah, you don't have to go to college. It's totally valid. <laughs> Especially for the things that Peyton's interested in. Mm-hmm. And now we are back at Karen's cafe. Dan's in his car, and he watches Lucas, Keith, and Karen eating dinner. Keith comes out and it's raining, and he confronts Dan and says to him Go home, Danny. This isn't your life. Yeah. And before that, he says, I hope you have your pants on. <laughs> Which is funny. <laughs> because, yeah, if you're being watched from a car, yeah, you gotta hope that somebody is somebody has their pants on. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and, yeah, that's so we see Keith go off into the, go back in to his happy family it's a really sad scene because you see like you first see lucas karen and keith you know sitting at the table having dinner and then it flashes to dan looking on and then you see him like looking and then they're in the background and it's a really sad moment when keith comes out and says that which it's all true like go dan like you're not welcome here this isn't your life like you you made your bed, now lie in it, type thing. Yeah. And Keith walks back in to join his family. 
because that is his family. It's not Dan's family at all. Like, he chose that. So, but in the same way, it is sad. Because Dan has made these choices, and he's, you know, the biggest jerk there is. We have covered that. But it is also sad to see someone, like, look on and clearly have some regrets. I like the ending of this episode a lot. Yep. And, yeah, we just see Keith, like, walk in to his new life. And it's happy. You know? So it's like you're feeling, me personally, I'm feeling those two things at the same time. Like, the happiness of the family and Keith finally getting what he really wanted. But Mm -hmm. then, like, yeah, it kind of, the Dan's regrets are apparent. And that, that feeling there. Yeah, and it's very nuanced in his portrayal, Mm -hmm. too. It's not, like, in your face or anything. It's like, oh, you can feel two different things at once. I feel like that's something I say a lot, too. And you said that, like, at least twice in this episode. I know, I've turned into you this whole entire episode, like... (laughs) And it is something you said, and I, each time I said it, I was like, this is what Jeremy says, but I'm saying it. <laughs> this is how we're kicking off 2023, baby. <laughs> Caitlin has become a day. All right, so next episode, you have to be me. Uh, I feel okay, like I there are more Jeremy-isms than there are Caitlin-isms, but I could be wrong. <laughs> I'll just, like, I don't know, throw shade about Deborah Love or something. I don't know. You know I love it. Or I'll say, that's very curious. <laughs> I know that's a Caitlinism but, you say yeah, a lot. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, uh, <laughs> right. what was your favorite quote? So I loved what Lucas said to the guidance counselor in that whole segment that I had referred to a little bit ago. Um the guidance when the guidance counselor is saying like Keith really cares about you and you see Karen and Keith um kissing in the stands and then it flashes to Lucas and he says yeah he's like a father to me and it was just like I got all the feels in that moment it was just so so good and (laughs) I feel that I love it so much and then I would say my honorable mention is at the end what Keith says to Dan go home Danny this isn't your life yeah. What about you? My favorite quote is Brooke's last quote to the guidance counselor, which I just read recently, so I'm not going to reread it again. But just the whole thing, like, you know, she just doesn't want to think about it. Yeah. It was very somber and sad. It's relatable. There were a yeah, lot, for sure. you know, as I was watching this episode and taking notes, there were so many, like, the writing in this episode was really good. The dialogue was really good. And, um,. There are so many short quotes in this whole episode. Like, I wrote more than I usually write down. I, I, I really loved it. <laughs> it's so great. Mike Harrow and David Strauss. You go, they Bill. They did a good job. Mm-hmm. So, my mu- favorite musical moment was Faith, Hope, and Love by Star Sailor. Which, Sam. Okay. It played during <laughs> the basketball game and during the moment of the quote that I just shared as well. Yeah, it- it was just, it was a real feel-good moment yes, in general. It gave me chills. I was like, oh, things are so happy. <laughs> I know. It was it was perfect. Yeah. It was really perfect with Lucas, you know, being lifted up by the team. Like, yeah, it just really gave you that. Mm-hmm. The emotion. Absolutely. What do you give this episode? Oh, I was hoping you would go first <laughs> because I'm so uh, conflicted, Caitlin. I am kind of, too. 
<laughs> so we're just going to stare at each other. <laughs> so, yeah, we're just not going to reveal it. Um, so, you know, this this episode had some issues, which, like, makes me want to bump it down to a four. What issues? What were the main issues for you? I mean, you know, you know, like let's get on the nose and talk about uh, the homophobia issue, and you know, the whole idea of like classism in college and whatnot. I, you know, like I said, I really wish Ellie would have, yeah, empowered Peyton's to say like, hey, you don't have to go to college. But at the same time, like I realize this is a conversation for 2006, so am I holding it to an unfair high standard? Yeah. Um, I'm still gonna give it a four, but you know what? Ugh, maybe I'm just in my fields too much. Fuck it. I'm going to give it five out of five fashion programs at basketball school. Nice. I, you know, I'm between a four and five, too. After rewatching it, I'm like, wow, this is a really good episode. Yeah, and I never really thought much of this episode Same. before watching this. I'm like, there's so many great moments here. So many great quotes, like I just said. And yeah, the moments in the guidance counselor's office. I, You know, I don't know. I really would love to give it a, a half score, but... <laughs> I would too, but you know what? I sucked it up and gave it a five out of five. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's a five for me. So I'm going to go with my gut. I'm giving it a four out of five first dates. But I have to say, okay. I really like this episode. I don't know if it is a... Oh, I don't know. There's there's good moments. Like the ending of this, the ending of this episode is really good. With the whole Lucas, Karen, Keith, Dan looking on. I'm going to stick with the four, though. I'm going to stick with it. Okay. And it's not like I have major issues with it. It's just I go by like a five. I have that feeling. You know, I have that five feeling, (laughs) which makes no sense other than to me (laughs) in my brain. But but it's, you know, if we did half scores, it'd be a four and a half out of five. Okay. But we don't. So you're giving it a four and I'm giving it a five. (laughs) But if we were, if we did that, it would be. <laughs> the rest of this, the rest of the season though, is just it's it's pretty much like perfect. For, I think from this moment onward, and it's like pretty much the main reason why this season is. I know it's my favorite season, and I think you can attest to it as well. This these next episodes are really great. Yeah, you know what episode I'm giving a five. I actually don't know, and I don't want you to tell I'm me. I'm not now. gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> But it's coming. (laughs) Hell yeah. All right. Till next time, I guess. Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at alwaysothpod. You can also email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at RodriguezJeremy. And I'm Caitlin Illinich, and you can find me on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners, and early episode releases. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for more information. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya.
Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers. So I know this is Tim's last episode, but notice I said it very casually. It's his last episode as a high school student. Because the next time we see him, he's a pizza delivery boy and delivers pizza. In season six. Five. Oh shit, five. Really? Yeah, it's season five. Why did I think six? They're trapped, in, they're trapped in the library. Yes, yeah, you're right. season five. Season five, because Lindsay's there. And it was a dumb it was a dumb scene. Like, why did he come back for that? <laughs> but And that's the last time we see him. And the only other time like he's like remotely mentioned is a few episodes later, uh Bevan is working at some store and then they run into her and she has a picture of a baby. And it's the same picture of the baby that Tim was holding. <laughs> and it's a child they had named Nathan. And- <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I forgot for a second that it was named Nathan. Yeah, and then it's assumed they got divorced. Were married yeah, and divorced. Of- or, or were broke up or something. Yeah. They definitely got a divorce because uh, there's... <laughs> There's a moment in the series finale when Bevan is talking to, I believe she's talking to Clay and Quinn. And she said, I was married once, but I really hated my husbands. <laughs> Which, yes. that is hilarious, but knowing, like, what was going on with Brett Claywell behind the scenes, it almost makes me wonder if that was, like, a purposeful diss. Might have been. You kind of wonder why they even brought him back in season five. I don't know. Like, I wonder what led up to that why they bring Bevan back in season five as well though you can say for like that one scene i think they were just trying to fill in like little easter eggs because it was cute and i I liked it i really enjoyed it but yeah it's just a shame we didn't get enough tim time we didn't yeah like i guess we get a little we get more resolution though with bevan because then it's assumed that she's with skills because yeah they're in the stands in the series finale together which is making me wonder remember like we saw like there were like a bunch of little small children and that uh no this one makes sense now that no no it's still good um you know we saw like a bunch of small children in uh in the basket at the basketball game for jamie's basketball game you remember yes but like we don't really know who those kids are could one of those kids be nathan tim and bevan's kid oh i don't know i'd have to look to see how many kids there were huh i don't know yeah i mean it's up in the air like they could be they could be brooke and julian's kids they could be little lydia i think that's what it's assumed to be yeah but i'm just wondering like hmm, but bevan has a kid as well (laughs) a little child named nathan come on true well we're not there yet we're not at the series finale yet (laughs) (laughs) we're jumping ahead (laughs) we won't be there for several several years oh gosh and that means, like, you know, that means the podcast will be coming to an end, and it'll just blow my heart away, just like the winds that blew all these other characters' heart away. <laughs> Hearts away. I, I can't <laughs> I can't do words right now. Next time we're talking about season three, episode 13, the wind that blew my heart away. That was decent. That was, that was decent. <laughs> And taken from our OTH DVD box, that's the description reads, The electric power is out. The emotional power is on. A violent storm finds Nathan with Haley, Lucas with Brooke, Mouth with Rachel, Peyton with Ellie, Karen with Keith, and Dan with an evil plan. 
We'll be seeing ya. We'll be seeing ya. <laughs> How do you- I wanted to. I just wanted to sneak up through you. Jeez, <laughs> that was the fastest. Usually, you're like, "We'll be seeing ya." I usually try to match you. I wanted to, I wanted to keep you on your toes, and I'm like, "Oh, she's not going to see this coming." <laughs> All right. One more time. <laughs> we'll, we'll be, be seeing, seeing ya. That might have that might have been in sync. Maybe. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop the recording now. Yeah.